Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Katie Huff with Katie Huff Ministries with her podcast saying, Setting Yourself Free, a podcast where we are encouraging people to be set free from whatever is holding you back from being, doing, and having all that you were created to be. And I am so excited to have Mr. Matt Emery with me, who is a multiple number one author on a number of different books. And I am excited that he's here and I'm going to let him introduce himself and his books and where you can find him. Yes. Thank you so much, Katie. It's awesome to be here. Um, love talking to you. Anytime we get a chance to connect, I always leave feeling so much uh, more energy that I came in with. Uh, yeah. So I've got, I've got a few books. Uh, the most recent one uh, and right now, kind of the, the one that just gets me so geeked out to talk about and see people with is, is called The Detourist, um, How to Get Out of Your Own Way, Find Purpose in Unexpected Places, and Traverse the Path to Effortless Authenticity. And uh, there's a companion to that called The Kaleidoscope. Collide, spelled like the word collide, oh, scope. Um, so we'll definitely talk about a couple of these. You can find them on Amazon. Uh, on my website, it's matthewemory.com. Uh, that's it for now. Awesome. Well, we always ask our guests on our podcast, what have you set yourself free from? Yeah, you know, uh, I love this question. Uh, you wrote your book, Unmasked, about uh, courage and, and vulnerability. I think that... Uh, it's a few years ago, one of the most important things to me uh, when I took the five love languages quiz was uh, words of, of affirmation and words of validation and words of, you know, just words in general. And on some level, that's still valuable to me, but I derive almost my entire sense of self-worth internally through uh what I feel as my proximity to the Lord, like how, how much I am listening to my highest intuition, how, uh, you know, still waters run deep. So like really how slow I'm going, how much I'm, I'm praying, how much I'm just like, uh, just listening. I don't know. There's so much guidance there and it's, it's completely shifted. Uh, I, I mean, I certainly will appreciate and be delighted by praise when I get praise, mm -hmm. but I do not need it whatsoever. Going from somebody who really needed a lot of it uh, and a never ending uh, uh, thirst for it. Uh, so now it's just like, yeah, that, that's great. Um, so I think that is a big area that I've, I've been set free from. Uh, it's not external really at all anymore. It's very internal. Uh, also, perfectionism was a big thing that, uh, that I've been set free from in recent years. And, and you know, that changes your relationship with failure and, and just like trying things and, uh, and be, needing to be good at things the first time. I think that the belief system in that is shift, that shifted is like, uh, you know, God is into growing his children and all I need to do is surrender to whatever the circumstances are right now and maybe the circumstances i'm not very good at that thing right now like like singing 
Uh, and if I ever wanted to improve, I just need to like acknowledge that and like, hey, I, can, I can get better though. <laughs> I'm not stuck stinking at things. Um, one of the biggest lines, I'll let you talk here in a second, but, um, but I love this question so much that has changed my life a lot in the last few years is the ability to observe without evaluating is the highest form of intelligence. And the way that shows up is uh, not needing to put a, a status, not needing to judge everything. Instead, you just kind of take note of it and say, okay, that's the way that it is. It's neither good or bad. It's just the way that it is. Uh, you know, if it's not exactly the way that I, I would like it to be, then it's not, it's not wrong in the meantime. It's just in the process of evolution in the meantime. Wow. Well, that's a good way to look at it. That's awesome. So through this process, did you, is there like a sequence of events that you went through to be able to be set free? I'd say so uh, for uh, time flies. The other day I saw a, um, a, a memory on Facebook of me living in my van and it was four years ago, but it feels like just, just the other day. So probably uh, five years ago, four and a half years ago or so, I was doing this career, selling insurance, building my insurance business, and saying, this is the last career that I will ever do, you know, in this, like, I'm going to be here forever, building my massive insurance business. And it was very much a walk in the world. Not that people can't, you know, be out there selling insurance and, and doing it with the spirit of, like, love and community and, you know, being in the kingdom while they do it. But for me, that wasn't the case. It was, um, it was very much like one foot in greed, one foot in worry. Uh, I just want to accumulate all of this stuff so that, I, uh, so that my will can eventually finally be done and I can rest because I'm, you know, I'm putting in a ton of effort. And because one foot stepping in greed and one in worry, essentially what the, the attractor field that you open up when you walk like that, like the things that go along with that type of behavior uh, leads to a lot of scarcity, leads to a lot of temptation, um, leads to a lot of reliance on yourself, a lot of dependence on yourself. And so on those days where I'm particularly low energy uh, and I'm particularly tempted, I made some bad decisions. And over time, enough bad decisions accumulated uh, to the point where my employer could no longer maintain my employment in good, in good conscience. So that job that I said that I was going to do forever, my last career I'd ever have, uh, ended in a very uh, difficult meeting between my, my two bosses, of course. So I got let go. And in the wake of that, just couldn't fathom like getting back into the workforce. The inability to fathom that was sort of derived from if I jump back into the workforce right now, I've got, I've got no self-trust whatsoever mm. because I didn't really have a great relationship with my, my conscience. It was like, I was pretty certain that if I could get away with something and nobody was like lingering over my shoulder, supervising me that not every time, but enough times I would, I would do the thing that 
I didn't want to do to take the shortcut that I didn't want to take. Not really, um, you know, to get the quick result. Hmm. So I'm like, I, if I get back into the workforce, I'm going to end up right back where I am, uh, you know, right now, just like devastated losing the job I said that I'm going to do forever. It's like something really has to change here. And uh, the best idea that I had at the time was not getting a job again, but kind of going after this long-standing dream. I'm going to go build a van, uh, add some solar panels, put a little bed in there, get a little kitchenette in there, uh, and, uh, and, and travel for a bit. I'm going to take what savings I have and, and try to make the most of it. So that's what I did. Wow. That's what I wrote. Actually, my first book about is it's called Where the Rubber Meets the Road. Yeah. It's this year in this van. And I really crashed full on into, into Christ in the van. Wow. Um, you know, things got, got pretty difficult. It wasn't all sunshine and great views in the van. Uh, and I think at that point, somewhere in there, I, I mean, I was, I was reading the Bible every day and I was kind of developing a little bit more of a, of a spiritual awareness uh, and just started to hear, hear Christ. And that shifted. I was like, no longer, I no longer really needed to rely on my conscience. What was awakened is this desire to have this, this relationship with this, uh, with this highest intuition with, within me um, to really listen to it. Mm -hmm. and every time I listened to it, it felt, I felt good. Mm -hmm. And that external validation that I was mentioning before that I was craving, uh, that need started to go away. And it was like, oh, I don't care really what people think. Uh, I could be as weird as I want to be. Um, as long as I'm listening to this voice, you know, that's, that's really all that matters. You know, people can look at me like I'm crazy, but at the end of the day, how well did I listen? Um, and it just, it builds, it builds like a muscle. Right. And over time, like, that's all that that's all that really matters right i um tell a lot of people that the only opinion of you that matters is what god thinks of you what christ thinks mm. of you and and that is a freeing um you know belief and obviously a freeing decision daily that all that matters is what you know god thinks of me and where i'm at and what i'm doing in glory and honor of him and what he wants me to do. So it, it's like, yeah. it really doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. So we're not caught up in, you know, the doing and what other people think we should be when in fact, you know, he has a plan for you and it's always good because he always wants you to have exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever imagine, which is an Amen. amazing, amazing process when you finally realize that, you know, timing is everything. And so it's so awesome to think that, you know, in that van is where you were able to grow closer to Christ. And that's one of the questions that I always ask is, so have you seen God moving in your life to set yourself free from this? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a lot of times the way that, that God uh, speaks to me is, is in sort of these absurd synchronicities. Um, or it's in these moments um, in the van. I'll tell a few of these stories potentially. <laughs> um, 
where it's so challenging uh, and you just kind of like, I wouldn't say I was being, I was being kicked necessarily when I was down, um, but there's like these so many challenges in a given day that eventually it stops being challenging and it starts being hilarious. Uh, it, I, give an example. When we were in the van, because it was me, my two Huskies and uh, my girlfriend at the time, <laughs> it was like 11 at night in September, you know, we're living in, in Austin. And so it's like this time of year, it's like 95 degrees most days. And so the van had a fan on top, but it only could ever bring the van down to like five degrees cooler than it actually was outside. So it'd be 90 degrees at 11 at night and it was hot and the dogs are Huskies. If anyone's watching the video version of this, you can see one of them laying right over here. Right. Um, and they wanted to, they wanted to be let out. Uh, and so opened the door and we, we parked out in the woods. I figured, you know, I trust them. They're pretty good dogs. They're going to go run. They're going to take care of their business. And they're going to come back. Well, like 30 minutes later, I really wanted to go to sleep and they hadn't come back yet. So I thought I'll go look for them. <clears throat> so I threw on my shoes. I went and searched for them. Maybe 10 minutes later, I find them. Uh, and they're, they're like taking interest in something off in the, you know, off in the woods, I track them down, grab them, uh, or at least get close to them. And when I, when I get close to them, they, they dodge me and they run back in the direction of the van. Okay, good. You know, they're going home. They knew they were in, not doing what they were supposed to do. Uh, but it's like a second later, I smell skunk and I'm like, uh, okay, the dogs, the dogs just got sprayed. Mm. Uh, either that or they were rolling in this just heinous, disgusting carcass. Um, mm. One way or another, the dogs smell horrible. <laughs> uh, right then I see my, my girlfriend come around the corner. Uh, she's come to look for the dogs as well. Uh, and, and I'm like, I got some bad news. I think they got sprayed by a skunk. And they're, they're making a beeline back toward where we parked. And she's like, uh-oh. And the reason she said, uh-oh, is because uh, she had left the door of the van open. You know, hoping that when we got home that they would go back to the van, that they would just be jumped up and, you know, they'd, they'd come home themselves. But when we got back, one of them was rolling around in the bed trying to dry off. And the other one always hangs out in the front seats. Uh, and so it's like midnight. We're exhausted. It's hot. We're tired. Uh, and now the entire van and all of our bed sheets smell like skunk. And it's not like we had a ton of money to, to like, oh, let's go get a hotel or something. What do you do in that scenario? It's like, okay, we'll grab an extra blanket uh, and we'll, you know, you climb into bed and you just kind of deal with it. <laughs> so there's so many, so many things like that that happened. So many at a certain point, it's just funny now. Yes. Yeah, very hard to, you know, things just roll off your back when when you go to bed in in skunk bed at midnight and it's ninety degrees. So was that the moment of God moving in your life, or was that the moment that God <laughs> forsaked you or left you in that moment? Oh, I see. I I uh, remember the question though. I think it's in those moments where uh, where things there's so many things happening 
that the like this benevolent absurdity, you know, this like lightening of the, the mood. Uh, God is speaking to me in this sort of like, uh, you know, comic emotion. It's like, you're just going to laugh about this and things are just going to roll off your back. It's not a big deal. Uh, it'll be a funny story someday. But yeah. a story of more, <laughs> about a, a year and a half ago, I'll tell you a story that I feel like is a little bit more, you know, God dropping the subtlety and, and speaking to me right where I am. Nice. Um, sorry, I'm a, I love telling stories, so. It's awesome. You do it very well. And, you know, and, and to your point of the, the humor around it is that God does have a sense of humor. Thank God. Because <laughs> he, he probably, you know, looks down at us and says, well, this is entertaining. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> definitely um, has prevented me from uh, having victim mentality throughout my life. By the moment I'm about to get all fussy, instead, I get moved toward humor. <laughs> um, and that's very, I mean, that's very personal. I feel like that's how he works with me. Another one uh, about, see, I guess it was about two years ago, uh, I started dating uh, a, a new girl uh, named Bella. And at the time, Bella lived in Colorado Springs. Um, I had, uh, I had, I was trying to sell the van. I was definitely getting rid of the van. And my new bug that I had caught was the tiny homes. And I was thinking at that point, per per Bella's influence, that I I might want to build a tiny home. I developed some skills in building the van, uh, but I didn't want to relive old adventures. And so, when I went out to visit her in Colorado Springs, I was like right on the, the verge of of building this tiny home back in in Austin, Texas, where I live. And when I was out there, I was just like, I love this person. I want to spend a lot of time with this person. Plus, I've been talking about moving to Colorado for, I don't know, so many years. And so it ended up being this conflict that I really needed help sorting out. It was, do I move to Colorado or do I stay in Texas and do I, do I build my tiny home? Uh, you know, if I... And it wasn't like move to Colorado and build uh, because I felt like if I, if I get out there, I'm going to get myself established. I'm going to figure everything out, get a lay of the land, and then maybe build uh, to be near her. Um, so it was very much the question I was asking in this moment. I went out for a walk this morning. God, do I, do I move uh, to Colorado or do I stay in Texas and do I build? Uh, and I was definitely like almost swept up in this, you know, this love of this person. So was kind of leaning toward wanting to move, but just feeling like a little bit of, I don't know, not a rebuke, just not a lot, a, a, a ton of peace about that decision to move to Colorado. So when I first got out to visit her, uh, she has this painting that was done by her older brother beautiful painting of this elephant. And she said, hey, you like to build. Why don't you uh, build me a frame for this brother, this painting that Kyle uh, painted me? So we went to the store, we got all this wood. Uh, I came back, I'm getting ready to 
uh, to create the frame. And I realized that she does not have a, a saw for me to cut the wood into shape. Um, and so I like walk down the street, knocking on doors. Hey, do you have a handsaw I could borrow? And I eventually find this, this person who's like, yeah, here you go. And they give me this like blue craftsman handsaw. And I, I used it, uh, finished the, the frame, and then I brought it back to them. And so that's just like a little bit of a backstory. Uh, a totem in my life at that moment that I think is relevant to this next part of the story. So this morning, I go for a walk with Kai, my dog, and God, do I, do I move or do I build? Like I, I, I would love to find some peace about this decision. I move or build? And Kai decides that, no, he wants to cross the street. He wants to go this way. All right. So we cross the street, move or build? And Kai leads me to the right. We're walking down the street. And this is just the only thing that I'm saying in my head right now. It's just like opening myself up to the guidance on this decision with that prayer, move or build. And then out of the blue, lying in the middle of the sidewalk is the exact same make and model of that blue handsaw that I'd used just a couple of days prior to that uh, to build this frame. And it was very clear to me that that handsaw represents building. It's like, well, there it is. And I wasn't really paying attention to where I was going. I was just sort of following my dog, just kind of like, I don't know, letting us both be led. Uh, and so, boom, very, to me, that's very blatant. That's like, this is what you should do. You should, you should build. And so I went back to Texas a couple of days later. Uh, I found a warehouse to start building. In the meantime, uh, a couple months later, Bella's like, I'm going to come visit you in Austin. So she came down here, had fallen in love with the city. And then like, it was a couple months later, but eventually she moved down here. So now she's here. Uh, everything definitely worked out. And I'm happily building and she's happily living uh, just a little bit away. Nice. Yes. Well, he... Is faithful and he never leaves you and he definitely has a plan and timing is definitely everything because i can tell oh, you yeah. I, I always use the three p uh, analogy which is you pray you pause and then you don't move forward or backwards or anything until you have peace and peace is oh, the yeah. guard, is the guardrails so it sounds like that's exactly what you did and you got the go ahead by seeing that blue handsaw that was kind yeah. of like the aha, I get it with the one plus one equals Austin and build. And what a blessing. Yeah. Bella fell in love with Austin as well. And, and now you're all yeah. in the same location. So he is a good father. And so here's my question Amen. for you is, what is your advice to someone who may be going through something similar that seems like they were lost, but are now found and, and obviously have this amazing relationship with a heavenly father and, and Christ being your Lord and savior. And what a yeah. amazing transition to where you were to where you are today. It's got to feel pretty awesome. Yeah. I think as, um, as I've gone through life, and there's so many of these little stories like this, um, that I've finally just gotten to the awareness of 
how how God speaks to me. You know, it's such an it's such an, an internal temple and such a relationship that, you know, just like when you have your friendships, you really don't have two friendships that are identical. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about all your friends. Like, same with with the way that God will have a relationship with you. It's like no two relationships with God are going to be the exact same. Um, and so I think it's possible that. I tell some of these blue hand saw type stories and people are like, ah, you know, someone left their hand saw in on the sidewalk, Matt, like, uh, what does that prove? Um, but we don't, we don't experience life, uh, through our eyes. We experience life through, through our minds. And so that's how God will interact with us is through us. You know, it's very personal. And so, maybe sometimes the, the meaning that you find in things uh, wouldn't be found by another person in the exact same scenario, but he's not trying to speak to that other person. And so it's, I like to call it a, a benevolent absurdity uh, because it's so for you. So what that tells me, I guess, if, if there's a piece of advice that for somebody else, maybe there's somebody that's like grappling with uh, with their faith is we think too much uh, and we we have such overactive minds we get in our own way yes. and we take this we see the guidance and then we laugh at it or we disbelieve it uh, and then we move on by doing whatever we were going to do uh, you know before or we take a guess and we wonder like why am I in the same position that I was in before uh, well, because you've habituated deciding to do your own will and making all your own decisions rather than out of the quiet, uh, <laughs> listening to some of the, the guidance that you're actually given, because it'll happen through you, mm-hmm. for you. Yes, I would, I'm sure you would agree that uh, he, God is tenacious in his desire to have a relationship with you. And he um, never lets us go. He gives us free will. And we need to, you know, govern that carefully. So we're not doing things that we're not moving forward in, you know, the desires and the calling on our life. And so it's so nice to know that you're, you're never going to be left alone unless you literally push him away and again he gives us free will so he is tenacious in his pursuit and um i have no doubt you probably have something to say uh, in regards to an experience with that would you agree oh yeah uh that he about his tenaciousness yeah for sure uh, i wrote the, kind of a, a story similar to this in uh, in the detourist, just kind of like explaining, um, explaining my, my, my walk, um, how for, for a lot of years, you know, I, I did grow up in a, in a Christian household. Um, and I think when I finally moved away, I was sort of under the impression that it, you know, me and my family, us Emery's were the source of the goodness that I'd experienced through my life. Uh, and it was kind of like on, in a sense, like when I unplugged from 
my my childhood home and the the environment of my parents and some of the things that they made us do like um, go to church and and go do community service then there was there was a lot of energy for a while and it kind of slowly dwindled uh and then i found myself you know occasionally stepping foot on on christ's path you know the the way the truth the life you know occasionally sampling it but for the most part uh, you know i was the average of the five people i was spending the most time with and they were very materialistic mm-hmm. and they were very like let's go make it more money um and so for you know like it or not even if i was stepping on the path periodically i was still very much aligned with the group that i was with um almost to such a subtle there was no there was hardly any contrast in my life so i i seldom realized just how um just how sick and by sick i mean like the just how of the world my thoughts really were mm-hmm. so eventually when when i when i uh, got fired from that job and then not that long after that actually not that long before that uh, had called off a wedding with a girl I was engaged to got fired from my job moved into the van with this person that I was in love with and then then we broke up it was like all of these things were me tumbling into this this chasm like falling toward my rock bottom and I think this chasm if we if we really picture like two giant expanses of land uh that the chasm separates the the of the world mentality like the very materialistic shallow-mindedness you know where we're all trying to express our individuality and it's all about me and on the other side of the chasm is this kingdom and in the kingdom nothing toils or spins nothing worries uh everything is taken care of and everything is loved and everything feels loved uh nobody ever has to be greedy because there's always enough uh and the mentality is the more you give the more you it the more there is uh and who wouldn't want to be in the kingdom you know it's a it's a beautiful place except my best glimpse of it at this point in my life was seeing it as i was as i was tumbling down into it or down into the chasm and down at the bottom of the chasm there's there's a lot of lost souls down there. there's a lot of people that they they know that they want more mm-hmm. um but they they've stumbled into this place and this place is sort of characterized by shame and guilt mm-hmm. um and confusion and maybe apathy uh but eventually when you spend enough time in the chasm uh you know there's some angels down there and i think there's there's no place that you could possibly go in this world that has not been conquered by christ i mean imagine the man on the cross mm-hmm. dying for our sins and suffering just like going to the absolute darkest depths that are possible for any human uh and on one hand like still actively forgiving the perpetrators of that in the moment like still staying in love but um but that was conquered too so you're down in the chasm there's angels down there you know christ has gone down there and there's whispers of of grace 
and there's whispers of forgiveness. And they say, take that staircase called grace, take that staircase out of the chasm called forgiveness. And you climb out. And a lot of times, you know, for me, at least I was still on the wrong side of the, the chasm, you know, ha even having accepted some grace and accepting some forgiveness. So I found a lot of beauty in uh, the, the Catholic church at that point. Um, and I, I did convert to be to Catholicism and that kind of became like my bridge into the kingdom. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's not Catholicism. It could be something else it could be completely different from that. I think there's a lot of bridges to cross into the kingdom. A lot of beautiful things that can suspend you over top of the shame and the guilt and, and you know, the pride and the fear and the anger to get into this place that's characterized by, by hope and trust and love and, and great things. Uh, but as much as I felt lost, one thing is apparent in the end is that uh, I was never, I was never like lost from sight of my king. Mm. Awesome. He was always there. Yes, that's so powerful because as he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And even in the darkest of moments, he is there in that chasm and he wants to obviously lead us to higher ground and to have the abundance that he has talked about in his word is that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could even imagine. And it's, I think as in our humanity, we have a hard time even grasping how big that actually could be. And sometimes we even possibly doubt it or question it or, or don't even trust it. But when you look around and you see, like you've said so eloquently, how you of being in the world versus of the world and and all he wants us to do in two things is to love god and love people when it comes down to the two most important things and so obviously you have done great things of you know from being in that chasm to where you are today and I knew that you would be so eloquent in your uh, example with your detourist book that is the number one bestseller. And I love that book. And I would encourage everyone to get that book because it's quite the journey. And I'm going to ask Matt to like, just kind of paraphrase it. So you'll be hungry enough to want to run out and grab that off of Amazon. Yeah. So there's a lot of storytelling in there. Um, it, it mainly follows this character named Apenemon. And Apenemon is a man down, but not out. And we don't really know what happened throughout uh, Apenemon's early life. All we know that he's kind of down to his last dollar. And uh, he's at this point where he's like ready to turn over a new leaf. Uh, and you see him presented with tons of opportunities to take shortcuts into this sort of this temporary place where he can have, it seems, the life that he desires. Um, but he really, he longs for something that's a little more permanent. Uh, he longs to, you know, like, like I did when I took my fall to like be in this, in this kingdom um, and to feel some security in that. You know, not like he's outsmarted the universe uh, and gotten a couple of gold and jewels and gemstones for himself, but that he's like, he, he belongs there. 
And so you see him making these decisions uh, that are his attempt to prove that he's worthy of trust. And kind of in the interludes between a Peniman's story as he approaches uh, this, this safe, this kingdom, uh, we take a look at things like, you know, scripture for sure, science, uh, some, some ideas on the brink of spirituality. There's a, a case made for, you know, just in like looking around and observing our world, the, an intelligent, intentional, and uh, collaborative God, uh, and that the nature of nature actually does mean you well. Um, and hopefully gets you to this point where you can see that uh, you can lean on the Lord in all things, uh, and he'll make your, your path straight. You know, what seems like a detour may just be God leading you toward exactly what you need to get exactly what you want. Um, but he will lead you uh, and you, and you can trust him. Yeah. Yeah. it's awesome. So I would ask is if you were to wrap this up in a bow, that yeah. where do they start to begin to set themselves free? Is, is it from, you know, getting beyond themselves? Is it trusting the process? What would you say? I, th yeah. Uh, I say that you can, you can set yourself free from uh, having the world all on your shoulders um, and having to effort your way through it. Try having some, having some trust, uh, maybe uh, expressing some vulnerability and just being real, um, you know, entering to something that's a little bit more surrendered. And you'll find that there's a much more sustainable fuel source available to you uh, to get through life and to have everything, to everything unfold beautifully for you. Uh, something that's, that feels a lot more like inspired action than effort. Um, so that's what I would hope to see for people is that everything in your future uh, just becomes more clear, more hopeful, more trusting, more surrendered. And you don't have to effort your way through life anymore. Um, but through the book and, and through some of these things that we talked about, you can come more toward a inspired action. Amen. I can totally concur with that. So I just want to say thank you so much for being willing to share your, your journey and your amazing book. And for you that are listening, I can tell you that Self-publishing school is where I actually went through to write my book as uh, Matt has also done that. And that's a great resource for anyone that's wanting to become a number one bestseller. They are the, the group that can get it done for you. And I just want to say thank you for listening to the episode 13 of Setting Yourself Free. Until next time, please go to www.katy-huff.com. To learn more about my book, coaching, courses, and retreats, follow Katie Huff Ministries on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more encouragement and stay up to date on all things happening with Katie Huff Ministry. So with that, I just want to say thank you for your time and interest with this amazing interview with Mr. Matt Emery.
Hello, friends and family. This is Katie Huff with Katie Huff Ministries. The reason that I'm reaching out to you today is because I have had the incredible experience of using the MyPillow products. So what products are there? There's the pillow, of course. There's the sheets. There's the towels. And in fact, my puppy even has a dog bed. So I'm reaching out to you because I have the opportunity to help you to save a lot of money when you find these products to be such use for you and your family. So you can go to mystore.com slash unmasked is my promo code. So you're going to want to use my promo code to get those discounts or mypillow.com slash unmasked. That way you're going to get an incredible discount. You're going to enjoy the sheets, the pillows, the towels, and hopefully your, your little pet will enjoy the dog bed as well. Thank you.